I've been a university professor since 2011, and I've noticed that just from a numbers perspective, most of my students have been women. And that has remained the case across two different institutions and within courses that aren't within traditionally female-dominated disciplines. For example, I teach a course that's required for all MBA students, and even that one is predominantly filled with women. It's great that women are filling college courses, and at the same time, it points to a potential problem with men. Or does it? In this episode, we discuss the male enrollment crisis and related issues. Welcome to the Indigo Podcast, an exploration of human flourishing at work and beyond. I'm Ben Barron of Indigo Anchor and Cleveland State University. And I'm Chris Everett of Indigo Anchor. For more information, please visit us at www.indigopodcast.com. All right, Ben, I, I have a feeling we might get some hate email on on this episode, but the data is compelling. So today, you know, what we're going to talk about is the decline of male college enrollment, right? Right. Why we should even care about it. And what are the implications for, you know, parents, uh, educators and society writ large? That's right. So let's start with that first piece, which is the decline of male college enrollment. As you suggested, Chris, there are some data around this. <laughs> there are statistics that are fairly, um, you know, just facts, right? We can't really dispute this, these. This is real. This <laughs> is numbers. not baloney. Right. There's not boys, males, male-identifying people populating universities right now. To the point that universities are even making it easier for guys to get in their colleges so they can keep a close to a 50-50 ratio, which is somewhat illegal, but we'll talk. Right. It's really interesting. And by the way, we do have a number of really good articles for you to check out in the show notes. And so let's start with some of those stats, some of those stats for college enrollment and, you know, kind of where we are right now with this. And there's, so one of the articles that's linked to in the show notes is from the Chronicle of Higher Education, and it's titled The Male Enrollment Crisis. So we are taking that title for the title of this episode because it, it aptly describes what's going on here. And some of the statistics that are suggested in this article that it lists are 40.5% of undergraduates in the spring of 2021 were men. 40.5%, right? So not just a little bit less than half, but quite a bit less than half of men were, uh, or of undergraduate students in spring 2021 were men. So that's that's problematic, right? Uh, and some people this, are saying, wait, the pandemic, the pandemic. <laughs> the pandemic, and, COVID, yeah. supply the, chains. <laughs> yeah, know, yeah, <laughs> not enough men the, were shipped the, in with your Amazon order to the, the university. The, the Federal Reserve. <laughs> you can come yeah. up with all kinds of arguments. Thanks, uh, but, Obama. So, <laughs> <laughs> even blame some former presidents. Who, whatever right, but the right. thing is, so it is yeah. low and it has been accelerated by the pandemic. But this is a trend that's been going on for not one decade. No, not two, four decades this trend right. of men dropping this is not a new thing people who study this kind of stuff and watch these trends have noticed this for quite a while uh and it, it really is starting to become a problem the this decline is most pronounced at the two-year community colleges but it, it certainly still applies 
across uh, other types of higher education contexts. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, it's particularly pronounced at some private liberal arts schools. And, you know, some of those schools are even trying to actively uh, admit more men, right? So this kind of unintended side effect is making it actually harder for women, right? And I, we're not we're not advocating that approach. I don't think that that's a great idea. Uh, and, you know, there's potential legal ramifications, at least when I think a bit about it from like an employment law perspective, right? Um, you wouldn't want to do that when you're hiring people. And uh, when you're admitting people to college, also, you know, some potential issues there. Uh, you know, some of the data also suggests that women are also more likely to stay and graduate. So not only are they more likely to go to college, right? They're more right. likely and to that stick seems around. To, yeah, they're, but they're, yes, absolutely. Women finish more than men do, right? Yeah. But there's also, like when we look at the two-year community college and that we look at, you know, state schools versus, you know, you don't see a lot of this at Harvard because they're putting their finger on the scale. But most people don't go to Harvard. And there seems mm -hmm. to be a bit of a class element to this. People that are the first person to ever go to university out of their family. Or they're just going, you know, we can get a little bit highfalutin on this podcast, Ben. Who are like, <laughs> we're going to college for the academy. <laughs> welcome, welcome to orientation. Here's your cardigan and smoking jacket. You know, like, I mean, there's some of that, right? And I get it. You and I could talk about Pericles and, you know, Peloponnesian. And, and, I'm, and, and I'm, our, our, our listeners can't see this, but I'm actually wearing my academic regalia right now. <laughs> Gosh, the robes. I, he, he, I just put it on to feel comfortable in the evening. It's very I mean, warm on these cold winter nights in Ohio. Anyway, please, British people, don't stone us. We just think you're higher class than a lot of Americans. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Which is probably true. Probably true. The colonists, right? But anyway, the thing is, this is most people that go to school, go to school to get training for a job. And this is how the state university, you know, which isn't necessarily the best way to be thinking about higher education, by the way. No, it's it's not because it needs to play an act. But let's be pragmatic. That's something that the wealthy elite can give a rip about. Ben. Yeah. You're if you're about to carve it out, you just had your second kid. You're like, I need to make more money. I'm going to. Like you're going to night school, you're trying to figure it out. But I'm telling you, the data here, even at two year community college, where you're likely to just go pick up something that allows you to get a credential, men are the population of men are tanking. Yeah. And it's 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 bad. It's bad. Right, right. And I would encourage any listener out there, if you have data to suggest otherwise, please share it with us. I we did not find any. Right? Yeah, the, it, it seems fairly compelling. The Chronicle of Higher Education would yes. like to hear from you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> that uh, that hard hitting, um, you know, very controversial uh, publication, the Chronicle of Higher Ed, right? Um, probably, you know, mainstream of the mainstream as it comes to higher education. Um, so that kind of leads us to the next question, though, which is, all right, so we have fewer men who are going to college fewer men who are sticking around and actually graduating of the, of the ones who actually go. What's trickier is the why. And I think that's an interesting question. It's certainly the question that we need to be thinking about as people who care about civilization and people who care about each other and maybe as policymakers. 
you know, there are a handful of, of explanations. Um, I would, I would really actually encourage if we, uh, if there are any listeners out there who, who have some interesting um, research on this to share it with us. Uh, you know, some sociological explanations are out there saying that, you know, maybe it's about, you know, go back to elementary school and elementary school might be suited more or play more to at least those stereotypes that we have for females, right? Um, that, you know, that it's more suited towards uh, people who can sit for long periods of time and pay attention. Uh, some people say, yeah, well, boys just, their brains develop sl slower, right? Some experts suggest this. Um, so they're more apt to kind of be, you know, up and about and active and um, have a tough time being still and quiet. And this can lead to discipline, uh, kind of feeding into this idea that, you know, hey, school is this thing for girls within the boys' minds, right? So these are some hypotheses that are out there. And, uh, you know, they seem plausible, perhaps, at face value. Um, but it's really interesting. Yeah. So two caveats on this. You know, as I, I I can feel the virtual tomatoes flying at us here, Ben. I feel yeah. no virtual tomatoes. Every, every, it's not everything is fine. Everything is fine. And then whoops, half the population, the boys don't apply to college. Yeah. Everything else before college was fine and normal. <laughs> I don't get this. And then how did this happen? What? 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 What, what are you guys doing? Like, did you buy an Xbox? Is that it? You know, like, like, no, it's not that. There is a root cause to this challenge. And then what's interesting to me is that when we talk about male and female differences, this is a fraught social space. And, you know, there is a social construct of gender. Absolutely. Right. You know, there's lots of girls that could give a rip about pink. They just don't. And there's some girl, you know, girls are shorter than guys. Generally. Like, go to any volleyball team, and they're all taller than me, Ben. <laughs> right? That's a, that's a low bar. <laughs> right? And, and then if we look at, like the, like, the idea of transgender people, if there were not some kind of biological elements of differences before the, between the genders, there might be some invisibility for trans people, and it would invalidate a whole host of like neurobiology and transgender brain research so that the two caveats are one we didn't just wake up and at the end of 12th grade and be like whoa no guys applying and two there are some salient aspects that are different biologically between the genders now that's not every single person like not you get you know what do they say not all men not all women like, you know, you can hear some of these cries and I, I, we understand the fraught social space there. However, there are some differences and, um, and, and maybe that's contributing to how we design our education K through 12. Sure. Sure. And, and some of that might be biological. Some of it might be cultural. I think there's also an interesting aspect, at least in the United States, uh, where, you know, we put a lot of pressure on boys to, for some reason, get really involved in sports, right? We, we, we encourage and we valorize athletics, I think, more for boys than we do for girls. And um, now there's nothing wrong with sports. I like sports. I played sports. I benefited from sports. Uh, but I also can say maybe this is just me being a curmudgeon -y, uh college professor being like, OK, you know, I, I really don't 
don't care that you know <laughs> we're spending so much money on our athletics when we're we probably could do a lot more academically with that at the university, right? Um, so you know if you're creating those types of stereotypes or those types of ideas within boys at a young age, um, you know maybe there is something to that that people that they're at a the young age they're starting to pay more attention to other things that they find rewarding aside from academic acumen. Right. And everybody, everybody's like, hey, you're 18. You're an adult now. You know, here's your rifle. Sign up and go to war. We know from neurobiology that our brains. <laughs> Is the draft back? Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I remember my my dad, my aunt made sure my dad, of course, my dad would have done it. Went and I signed up. And then I remember Gillette sent me a razor oh, and, yeah, a, yeah. and a for thing the, of shaving cream. Right. Did you get the that? Selective yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah. yeah, that was for the selective service. Yeah, you signed awesome. up and. We're going to yep. have to tag Gillette. Gillette, that's a great program. <laughs> and I appreciated the free razors. I got to tell you. But the, the thing the thing is, and it, sports are awesome, right? Everybody needs to be on a sport somehow, some way, if they can. You learn about team, getting along, struggle, trying your hardest and losing and dealing with that. It should not be necessarily this course of elite like, listen, I'm going to do the least amount in school so I can just work out three times a day. Then I'm going to go yeah. to college. And then because, you know, if you get that degree in underwater basket weaving, which, right, that's the kind of straw man punch. To, I'm sure there's some legit underwater basket weavers that are awesome, right? That would show me up on this. But the whole idea of there's a life outside of the spectacle known as professional sport. and and I think the Super Bowl and all that stuff is awesome, but I think there needs to be better off ramps when you're on that ramp towards, hey, maybe you have a chance at professional sport, but you should also have a plan B that has to do with you being an educated member of society. Right, right. You know, so we mentioned this before, but it's not just about uh, who gets into college or uh, maybe even who applies, but it's also about retention. There's this issue with uh, men not completing college. And we came across a great article from the Brookings Institution, and it's titled, The Male College Crisis is Not Just Enrollment, But Completion, right? And this is from October 2021, written by Richard Reeves and Ember Smith. And I'd like to quote a little bit from that article, just right at the beginning, because I think it does a good job of summarizing some of these issues. And I quote, in 1972, when the U.S. government passed the landmark Title IX laws to promote gender equality in education, there was a 12 percentage point gap in the proportion of bachelor's degrees going to men compared to women. By 1982, the gap had closed. Nobody predicted what happened next. The gap started to widen rapidly in the opposite direction. By 2019, the gender gap in bachelor awards was wider at 14 points than it had been in 1972, but the other way around. We are not claiming here that Title IX had much impact, however. Similar trends can be seen at, in every stage of the education system and in almost every country in the world. Carol Francis, the former chief economist at the American Council on Education, describes it as phenomenal, surging, and spectacular. Stéphane Vincent Lacren senior analyst at the OECD's Center for Educational Research and Innovation, says it is astonishing. People can't believe it. To Hannah Rosen, author of The End of Men, it is 
the strangest and most profound change of the century, even more so because it is unfolding in a similar way pretty much all over the world. Importantly, there is a gender gap not only in rates of college enrollment, as we described earlier in the year and recently highlighted in the Wall Street Journal and The Atlantic, but also in rates of completion among those who do enroll, end quote. It's fairly compelling. Right. And, and you, the whole thing is also the Brookings article. It's also high school. Yeah. High school graduation rates. Women are, you know, you can't get to college if you don't finish high school or at least take one of those tests. And, right. and that's where, you know, we start looking earlier than college. Like co universities can do a little bit to shape this. But this is a systems problem from when you ingest a kid. Even before how it goes on in families, before they start preschool, all the way through K through 12 to matriculating at a university. Right, right. So this actually comes, the article that you mentioned, it's a second Brookings Institution article. It's called The Unreported Gender Gap in High School Graduation Rates. And this one was from January 2021 by Richard Reeves, Ileana Buckner, and Ember Smith. And they have some, some interesting data points on this whole issue of high school uh, for boys. And first of all, you know, 2017 to 2018 in the U.S., the high school graduation rate was 85%, right? Well, I mean, it's interesting to me. When I first read that, I was like, wait, 15% of people didn't graduate from high school in the U.S.? I, that's interesting to me. Um, but when we look at this by gender, 88% for girls and 82% for boys. And you may think, okay, so a six-point difference there. That, that sounds like it, you know, is meaningful, but, you know, it's actually really meaningful when you think about that across the millions of people, uh, you know, in the United States, um, it, it's it's a big problem. You have a lot more girls who are graduating from a high school than boys. Of course, it's not a problem that the girls are graduating. It's a problem that the boys aren't graduating. Right. Uh, you know, the the graduation rate for boys, they say in this article, is only slightly higher than the graduation rate for economically disadvantaged students, right? So 82% for the boys versus 80% for those uh, economically disadvantaged students. And out of those boys, the, the ones who fare the worst happen to be the boys of color, uh, Hispanic and black boys. And so, you know, this is definitely a problem that's not just college, extends into high school, uh, and the data are clear on it. Yeah, and it's exacerbated by racial issues here sure there's a lot of complex issues going on with so, this entire uh issue so i think we painted pretty well like what the yeah. heck's going on here right and it, it's bad but why should we care right you know the whole what's that question you know a, a um a lady needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle you know like those kind of quotes you know there's been some probably i would say even deserved anti-male angst some dudes out there have been kind of bad and deserving of a, a bit of a backlash. But now we have an issue here for society. So why, why should we care about it? Yeah, well, I think the first thing just have, has to do with the magnitude of the issue. Um, so, of course, we're talking about aggregated uh, statistics here. There are, of, are of course, ac uh, you know, exceptions at the individual level, right? <laughs> we're not saying you know what the data we're saying we're sharing here don't suggest that you have a son; he's not going to go to college, right? That that's an individual um, type of situation. But the big picture here is pretty pretty clear. It's indisputable what's happening. 
Now, the why question might have a, a number of different potential, um, you know, causal or not types of explanations there. Uh, men are in general faring worse. Uh, and even those small differences, uh, when we're talking about the societal level, can mean really big material differences. Millions of boys and men not graduating high school, not graduating college um, as compared to women. And, you know, I guess the first thing is like, what does this do for our efforts at, at equality, right? Um, you know, obviously there is there's plenty of, uh, you know, attention, well-deserved attention that has been paid to uh, ensuring that women have the, the right, you know, the same opportunities as men, um, that they're treated fairly at work. Um, all of that is is great. And I think we've made good strides. There's probably still a lot that needs to be done. In fact, I'll say there is still a lot that needs to be done, particularly in certain industries. Um, but it, it very quickly, um, you know, could start to turn the other way in terms of there really being a di distinction between what types of jobs men are even qualified to do, um, you know, at the at the aggregated scale here. Yeah, the, there's all kinds of different places. Right. So if, if you're in an affluent community, odds are all those guys are going to college. Like it's just written in that script. They have the social support and financial support to make it happen. It, it's going to happen. But one of the pieces that I think is great, right, is the story of America, as it were, is it's a story of upward mobility mm -hmm. that you can actually get on the ladder and get up. Now, I think there's been a lot of stuff in modernity that's made that narrative not true in some cases. But when we have bad outcomes for Black and Hispanic males, mm -hmm. as well as males writ large here, the equality metrics get all messed up. The truth of, hey, I can get that job. And Ben, we work with people all the time. Well, this job requires a college degree. And then we look under the hood and it's like, no, it doesn't. <laughs> Right. But they're just like, listen, man, I just need a defensible way to get from 20,000 applicants to 500. Mm. Right. I mean, there is some credential baloney going on here. But if that's the landscape of the employment world, it becomes really, really challenging for families. Here's another piece, Ben. This was not in the research, but this is absolutely true that we did for this particular episode, but this is absolutely true. Most families back in the day were single earner families, and it was mm -hmm. tend to be the male. Mm -hmm. And what would happen, there, there were only a few careers open to women, you know, secretary, teacher, nurse, which was, you know, we got a bunch of like way overqualified people for like no money. You know, they could have been a NASA scientist, but they're teaching K through 12 now. You know, so you had some of that, right? But if if a male, the bread earner for that family got injured, they might be able to take on some part-time work or something, or may, they may have to sell the house and downsize, but the wife could then come in because most people got married. That was the narrative back in the day could go get a job as a secretary and they'd have this financial resilience. But now most families have a dual earner scenario going. And especially when we're looking at community college rates and that kind of thing, these are people that don't have as much financial resource or resilience as some people in the upper echelons of society. 
So if men don't have access to like quality work, which requires a degree, it has a massive trickle-down approach. And you can see this in the bankruptcy rates. Because you used to not have to go bankrupt because you had all this like potential energy reserved as your spouse could go to work and cover down and your family could survive and make stitch things together. But when you got people and the income disparity that's going on and the cost of housing and the health insurance and all that kind of stuff going, right? It not having everybody firing on all cylinders is, is problem. Right, right. So, you know, if we really see human flourishing as a goal and we really want everyone to flourish, then you know, we want to create a landscape in which everyone has opportunities and environments where everyone is uh, you know, more likely to achieve their best outcomes. And so when we see a demographic issue with something like you know, uh, enrollment in college and retention in college, graduate graduation rates and so forth, that is problematic. And, um, you know, we're, we're going to see less flourishing, um, down the road. Uh, you know, uh, first of all, I, I don't think everyone should go to college. Now there is a, an absolute place and total respect and dignity that can be found in careers outside of those that, you know, quote unquote, require a yeah. Society degree. needs to rethink that Absolutely. lionizing that, of the university thing. That that is that is very very true. The data are also clear at the same time that in general, if you do earn a bachelor's degree, that your lifetime earnings will be substantially greater. Um, that's of course we can we can we can say hey, I have a friend who owns this this type of company and never went to college and makes, you know, millions, right? Obviously I get it. Those types of situations exist at the aggregate level. There's also a person somewhere that's nine feet tall, (laughs) Yeah, but you don't, you don't bet on the savior of humanity being nine feet tall because there's not a lot of them. Yeah. So, I I mean, we're, we're still saying that in general, it makes a lot of sense to go to college. Um, And it is a way to become more upwardly mobile in society. And so if we're, you know, not not seeing that among men, it's going to create some issues down the road. And this is the idea that, you know, there's a landscape of human development, right? This is shaped by your experiences, your outcome, you know, your environment, interacting with genes and all that kind of stuff. And it might, it might impact over the aggregate how things come out. But this is why guys should care about equity. Like, what if we did, and I'm just saying what if, because there's a lot of caveats to this research. What if we did find out that guys don't survive in any iteration of K through 12 education because they're just still developing? Like, Mm -hmm. shouldn't we do something about guys? Like, this is the kind of equity versus equality interventions that we're talking about here. And if we have a demography shift towards women ruling the world, and like, okay, fine. But it might be kinda, worth trying for a while. Yeah, like we <laughs> you know, might, to be we honest. would probably, I would say we would benefit probably from a swing that way. But yeah. if we embrace that view, it's the same kind of discriminatory philosophy that we view as horrible now. Mm-hmm. Like the whole idea of the patriarchy. Well, like we don't need to replace it with the matriarchy. We need to have a broader view of equity and inclusion that helps everybody.
I'm with you. Well said. So we've talked about this problem. We've talked about why it's important, why we should care about this problem of the male enrollment crisis. Let's talk now about maybe some implications, some implications for potentially parents and educators and society. This is a little bit different kind of in terms of our set of implications here, because this is a broad type of issue that is really facing society at large. And I think, um, you know, there are a number of them. One that you brought up is- This is where we get totally un-PC. <laughs> I don't want to go, let's say I'm coming as a person, male or female. And I, here's a university I want to go to, but the ratio of my preferred gender for a partner <laughs> is seven to one against me. Like, I don't, I've got a face made for radio, Ben. <laughs> I, I you need all the to, chances you can get. I need, I need at least 50-50 there, right? <laughs> and And one of the things is, and this is where like, okay, let the virtual tomatoes fly. There is... You're going to get so busy in life and your career, it is really hard to pull off the dating thing if you're a hard charger trying to like storm the gates and make all the money in the world. Yeah. College is a great time or grad school to meet somebody. I mean, it actually is a, a fantastic sorting mechanism for people who probably have similar, similar values, levels of, uh, you know, um, ambition, engagement, uh, intelligence, like all those things kind of um, sort themselves out when it, when you start to look at higher education a little bit. Um, I mean, I'm also speaking from, you know, as someone who who did marry somebody who I met in undergrad, right? Um, and, and it has worked out um, Me too. quite well. <laughs> right, exactly. So, you know, th th those are our biases. But it is true that, you know, people do tend to, uh, there are a lot of people in that situation, a lot of people who do end up um, marrying, uh, you know, people who they meet in college. And, you know, I, I think, um, so maybe this is a, a, an implication for, for, uh, folks in college. If they're, if it's really disproportionate, um, it's going to be a little bit harder perhaps to do that. You're going to have more lonely people, um, you know, uh, on both sides of, of the equation. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure exactly. I don't think there's consensus yet around like what to do about this issue. Um, you know, one article that we post a link to in the show notes does talk about, you know, some of these private colleges where they're having a lot of tough time, you know, a really tough time keeping the gender balance somewhere close to 50-50. Uh, you know, basically they're putting their finger on the scale a little bit and letting more men in. And um, <laughs> letting I, men I in that... with lower scores. Right. Even. That, it, Make yeah. it so that, easier that's... so they can get to yeah. that number. Oof. I, I don't think that that's the solution. I think it's I think it's a Band-Aid. I think you're treating a symptom and it certainly isn't good for fairness um, overall. Yeah, how, many, how many of you guys out there for our male listeners be like, I was the male diversity hire yeah. for this university. So it's really, really great to be at Vassar. But uh, <laughs> I know there were there were some really qualified women who didn't get in because they let me in. Yeah, that. So this is a systems issue, right? It's It starts for how we start raising our boys and socializing them in our families, in our society. It has to do with, hey, there's not a whole lot of male teachers possibly that are role models. This is our K through 12 education. We, we don't have enough hours to like cover all the things that have been explored here, but yeah. it's, it's problematic. 
It is problematic. And, you know, another thing that I didn't mention, well, something that I have noticed. Now, I haven't collected data on this. Um, it'd be a little bit weird if I did, I think. But, uh, you know, over the, you know, the more than a decade that I've been a, a university professor, I've noticed not only that many of my classes are predominantly female, or at least greater than 50-50 uh, female, but I've also noticed that if I have a handful of outstanding students in a class, chances are that two out of three of them happen to be women, right? They, 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 and awesome. They're, they're, they're right, doing exactly. it. They're, they're doing they're, it. They're, they're, they're writing better. They're perform. They're, they're actually doing the work. Um, and you know, part of me just wants to say, men, you've got to get your act together when it comes to education. We have to take this seriously from a very young age. And here, the truth is, my my son's not going to have a problem with this. And the, the sons of my friends, generally in my area, they're not going to they're going to go to college. They're going to graduate. Like it's not a problem because they have good male role models, and it's just expected. But I worry about other situations in which boys don't have those types of role models. And I think we've got to find a way for boys to have better role models, for them to value education, maybe, you know, for them to be more socially accepted for, for academic prowess over being great on the, on the uh, sports field. Right. I think there's, there's just a lot of work that needs to be done and men need to, um, need to do some work here. I think there are systemic problems, systemic issues, maybe some educational policy type things that could be thought about, but I just, I just want to say men need to get their act together when it comes to education. Yeah. And if you, if you know somebody that's like maybe not doing so well on K through 12, this is a time to kind of, you know, sit down with them, take it. Hey, thanks for mowing my lawn. I'm taking you out to lunch. Let's go. And start talking about what an idea of masculinity that is educated, that's engaged, that's doing foreign policy. Like, and everybody thinks a lot of people join the army and they're dumb. And don't get me wrong. I've met some dumb army people. <laughs> <laughs> so that, have I. <laughs> but I'd like to recruit some really smart ones, right? Absolutely. And, and yeah. so there's, a, there's an idea of masculinity that can exist coexist with education we view like the urban rural divide all the polarization this these kinds of things don't just affect well so what we handed out a few less diploma to dudes this year this has society and global implications that are challenging and you know one of the things so getting women into technology has been you know i've worked some large even like you know, global workforce strategy things. And even if we we could not get enough female applicants, we, ju- we just couldn't. And like, hey, even if you weren't qualified, if we could get, like, and we said, all right, we'll train you on the job. We still couldn't get enough females to get equity in that stuff yet. Now that's changing because they're finishing school. They're going into technical fields and that kind of stuff. But when we look at people of color, Here's a ad, here's a data from Howard University, one of the better historically black universities in this country. And it has a total undergraduate enrollment of about 7800 people, but the gender distribution was 28% male, 72% female. Wow. Now, 
that now that's great. Like that means we have a if it really does require a college degree, we now have a large body of uh, women of color that we can put into roles. Sure. But but where are we going to get the men of color when we only got 28 percent? Yeah. And that's not I mean, and Howard is not just one of the best uh, HBCUs, historically black college or university. It, it typically is like ranked as like the number one or number two, I think, every year. It's it's a very good um, institution. And and that's troubling. Right. I, I would love to see that be closer to 50 50. But at the same time, I'm not going to say they should just change their admissions policy and start letting in, you know, underqualified men over these really qualified women. So, uh, you know, I think that we really, as a society, need to raise awareness about this issue. It shouldn't just be the education policy researchers who are sitting around there going, hey, guys, <laughs> a little issue over here. There needs to be some serious thought and attention to this issue. And I think part of it is um, part, part of the solution actually is preaching, right? Us, us raising awareness about this and, you know, encouraging people to get involved in their communities, encouraging parents to do their do the right thing. Um, be those good role models. I think um, one way in which boys and really anyone can have those great role models and um, be encouraged and supported through an educational journey is through some of those social institutions, which, as we've noted in prior episodes, are on the decline, right? Um, we want people to be involved in things like scouts, right? We want the people to be involved in in uh, other types of social organizations that provide that 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 context in which people can can start to see themselves as uh, as something else, right? As something bigger, as someone who is educated. Um, so I, I think that there's a lot that we need to do as a society. It, I think it starts with each one of us, perhaps in our families and with our within our social circles. Um, I just want to call attention to this issue. I think it's really important. Yeah, and for the companies out there, the big organizations that are tired of getting nailed to the wall. For what the makeup your your workforce looks like, you've got to get involved beyond the hiring place. That means like donating to the little league teams and all that stuff. And it's not just men because we people say, well, what about me? Why is this special minority group get this program to help? And really, we just got to help everybody. <laughs> if you see somebody struggling. Get jack wagon, get up and go help them. <laughs> and I, I know. So one of the phrases was this idea of like, like it's not enough to be racist. You must be anti-racist. And anytime somebody tells, especially in American, right, you must, they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. And it probably yeah. comes from like some of the preaching of our Protestant roots of the founding of this country. But this. If you want to fix this kind of stuff, society large, you must do something. <laughs> you know, hand wringing about it doesn't get yeah. it, guys. And, and, you know, speaking as someone who has been in around higher education, like the solution can't just come from higher education, right? Because we can't necessarily force men to apply. We can't force them. We can't, you know, put so them. Let's get a van, Ben. What? Hey, yeah, there's a guy right there. So throw the hood over his head. Listen, you're going to college, buddy, and you're going to like it. <laughs> right. We can't do that. Now, we did come across some interesting things that some universities are doing. For example, uh, you know, having certain types of student organizations, 
uh, centered around male achievement and helping them to to graduate, right? So there are many initiatives in most universities and a lot of colleges um, to promote retention, right, and success while you're there. Uh, but the problem certainly starts earlier. Uh, I think it starts with um, our elementary school system and then secondary school, as well as some of these bigger issues around parenting, society, expectations, role models. Yeah, and if you're in Cleveland or Hudson, be be careful for unmarked vans if you're a dude. Because we're coming for you. <laughs> Am I doing this or are you doing this out in Park City? Yeah, I can either confirm out. nor deny. <laughs> <laughs> you will go to college. All right, so today on the Indigo Podcast, we've talked about the decline of male college enrollment. And we've talked about why we should care about this issue. And we've talked about some implications and some things we need to be thinking about as parents, educators, and society. Thanks for listening to the Indigo Podcast. If you like this podcast, please consider helping us by rating us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, telling your friends about us, having us on your podcast, or mentioning us on social media. Our website is www.indigopodcast.com, where you can access more information about us and this episode. Thanks again, and we look forward to talking with you again soon.